1: Hello and welcome, everyone, back to the return of the show. Today we are talking about episode 102 of The Last of Us Infected. I am Ben, and I'm here with my co-host, Alex. Say hello, Alex. Hello. And as always, if you have listened before, what are you doing if you're not subscribed or not, like, following the podcast channel? How dare you? And if you're new, well, enjoy. And if you if you like it or if you just don't want to get infected, we recommend uh, subscribing to the podcast channel. Don't we, Alex?
2: Absolutely. Do it or die.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I just got to say, as far as this episode is concerned, um, how dare they kill Tess that quickly? I'm upset. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, anybody who played the game kind of knew it was coming. Um, now, of course, if you go down the uh, IMDB rabbit hole... Uh, which I'm always being warned when I'm watching a show. I'm like, I'm going to look up the actors on IMDb. And then my fiance goes, you're going to get something spoiled for you. Someone's going to die. And you're going to be like, oops, they're only in a couple episodes. She's in five. So, which we have a lot of flashbacks in this. So I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, So I am glad that we'll get to see more. I'm assuming more of like her and Joel's relationship because it seems so interesting And such an unsatisfying goodbye, so I really want to see more of them.
1: Yeah, no, honestly, I'm really happy to hear that, though, because I, first of all, I wasn't expecting this show to be utilizing flashbacks the way that it has been. Um, Mm -hmm. There's something about the fact that I know that it's from a video game where you don't really get to use that format because you are always grounded in a character for the sake of immersion, that, like, made me think that this just wasn't going to happen. Because it's my knowledge that The Last of Us, you discover, like, little pieces of lore and background through, like, essentially picking up, like, newspapers and doing scattered storytelling and environmental yeah. storytelling.
2: Or, like, fires or just, like, info that's... You you do a lot of reading um, in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for a
1: game, is, like, a perfectly good storytelling method. But for this, like, you get... To do these things, and fortunately, the way that the show has been doing it, it's been really well executed. Um, okay, well, I'm much happier now knowing that I get to be sad every time I see Tess now, and I will see her more. That that makes <laughs> She's me happy. dead. <laughs> she is very dead. Um, and you know what? And if you're her?
2: if if you're anything like me, I'm sure you've been being uh, you're getting inundated with. Last of Us TikToks. Oh my God. About theories. I, which obviously the, the grain theory was kind of like the main one that I saw, which of course ended up being true. Yeah. And
1: I, I will say the grain theory, like I'm, I remember noting that the first time we watched it and just so much happened that I didn't get to put it in my notes. I'm like, huh, they're really hamming up the fact that they're not eating bread. And then this episode we get a really in-your-nose, like, they didn't fully outright say it, but they said it. It's the grain. That's what caused all this. Which yeah.
2: Just- I, although I do have to say, I saw multiple people on TikTok be like, and Joel is on Atkins. I'm like, um, okay, have you been around people in the past three years at all, or do you just not... <laughs> Are you a little hard with the uh, interacting with other people? I'm like, yeah, he's just saying that. I don't, I just, I don't know why that bothered me. Multiple people were like, and he's on Atkins. I'm like, he's clearly not, but okay.
1: He just he didn't want to have to hang out with his neighbors. He was very clearly pushing Sarah <laughs> at like, yo, go hang out with them so I don't have to in that episode. I mean,
2: <laughs> Atkins. It <was>, kind of makes <laughs> me think of the episode of It's Always Sunny, uh, where they moved to the Move to Move the suburbs, suburbs.
1: <laughs> it's, it's because, a hot one, right? I hate you.
2: <laughs> oh News my god, flash, it's been on this whole time.
1: I it, god, that that is such a goaded episode of Always Sunny. Anyway, we're not here to talk about how Joel <laughs> and um, it, it, Joel, uh, there's a connection there, uh, but. I definitely do want to say, as far as the grain theory is concerned, the way that they went about this with, like, we started in Indonesia, and we get introduced to uh, this doctor, Dr. Abu Renata, I believe I'm saying that correctly, and the entire open, like, they managed to do what they did in the first episode with, like, having a disease expert being like, oh, this happens, we're fucked, again, two episodes in a row.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, I also really enjoy I'm looking up right now. Christine Hackham is the name of the actress, and um it seems like she's actually a pretty prominent actress in Indonesia, so that's extremely oh. cool of them. Um but yeah, that it really sets you up for the horror that we're getting in this episode because obviously there was way it was a way more scary than the last <laughs> episode. <laughs> Um, yeah, the acting was phenomenal. I think they did a really good job with her, you know, examining the body. And then just that scene where he's handing her the teacup. And she, as soon as he says there's 14 workers missing, she just kind of goes, oh, yeah, we're all dead. We're all dead. The it's mom- done.
1: Yeah, the moment of just like, what can we do to stop it? Bomb the city. And it like. Also, like her, the way her hand was shaking, at just like yeah. e- even before she got hit with fourteen people, she was just like, "I understand the notion of what's happening right now, and this is like a worst case scenario." Puts it down and just ugh. <laughs> the
2: yeah, and I think it's really interesting too that they've used these scientists in these uh these two kind of like exploratory flashbacks, um, because it also kind of seems like yeah. She's obviously uh, – this is her specialty, so I'm sure she's heard of what this guy said um, in that interview. It's probably lore within her, like, expertise. So it's like she's actually seeing something that somebody, like, foretold years ago, and you're like, oh, he's a hack or, like, that's never going to happen or whatever, and she witnesses it.
1: Yeah, it's that full-blown. Of, nah, this is real, and I'm dealing with it. The whole moment of like, I just want to go back home to my family. Ugh.
2: Yeah, the- like we're all we're all going to die. It's, I mean, just like basically Captain going down with the ship, sort of mentality. It's pretty. It's pretty brutal, and the acting was amazing.
1: Yeah, it. I will say the flower thing makes me wonder if it's going to be a continuing <laughs> aspect through the story. Or if we are literally just being treated to essentially like in in world lore in that moment. Because uh yeah, obviously see, I
2: was thinking about uh in near the beginning when they're eating, Joel uh they're eating like jerky and Ellie has a sandwich. So yeah. I was like,
1: hmm. She's been Where'd given they get, the get that grind? bread from?
2: <laughs> well, like Maybe it's gluten free bread.
1: It could be gluten. I don't think that. I I don't think that deals with it. <laughs> they, I'm sorry. like
2: Edie, the Edie's factory is still pumping out uh, loaves. <laughs> I will say, if
1: um, anti-zombiness is what I need to eat gluten-free bread like that, that mm-hmm. that will do it. That will actually get me to touch the stuff. The
2: yeah, you're like, all right, I guess if you if I have to.
1: Well, there's a whole thing where um, the doctor, when this is all happening, she calls, uh, like, once it's a flower factory and she's being told that, she calls it the perfect substrate. So um, for anyone that doesn't know of uh, viral definitions, a substrate is a layer in which an organism can grow. It's essentially, oh, it's a massive Petri dish. And this is one, I mean, like, it's pretty well known. Bread gets moldy. And there's a reason for it. Essentially, a lot of the spores in your bread were kind of already there because it's a safe place for it to be. And over time, it will become mold, obviously. So that's the whole thing. Like you keep your you keep your bread refrigerated and fresh so that it doesn't have a chance to mature and grow and turn into an actual problem. Um, And this is uh, this is the said problem.
2: Yeah, it's interesting too because um, raw flour actually um, is very likely to have salmonella. So that's actually the real reason you're not supposed to eat like raw cookie dough. It's not the eggs. It's more likely that you'll get salmonella from raw flour. So flour is just a breeding ground for lots of bad things, I guess. And it's interesting because there's
1: been a lot of conversation about the fact that they're not using spores – But Mm -hmm. when you think about it, flour in a flour factory um, gets very airborne. You don't need to be eating it in that situation. It's just, you're just going to be inhaling it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's literally acting as spores in that specific situation, that
1: being said, the um the person who we saw get the viral infection, excuse me, not the viral infection, the fungal infection was bitten. <laughs> so I guess they're never really going... They they've probably are going to do the smart thing where they will not actually explore how that for Like the patient zero, how the infection first jumped from X to Y. I think they're just going to keep it as like, it may be in the flower. It yeah, may be spreading uh, there. Yeah, because I think
2: she... I think the police officer did say, because that's what she's trying to suss out at first. They're saying somebody in the flower factory, normal, suddenly started acting erratic, bit a couple people, and those people had to eventually be killed because they started acting erratic. So she says the person who bit the first factory worker is still out there. So... Was that patient zero? Was there someone else? I guess we'll never know. It's. I'm sure it's not going to explore that anymore. But yeah, it is interesting. Was the first person um, infected from the flower? Is it just kind of happening alongside?
1: I, I mean, it's an important thing in horror. Like you always want to make sure that there is some mystery to whatever is happening in that moment. But I guess if
2: there's 14 people missing, it's also (laughs) like those people are just getting infected from the flower as well.
1: I mean, it's a theory. I will say there are some very real life situations that go along with this. Actually, the most (coughs) famous one um, is the Salem Witch Trials. So the Salem Witch Trials, there is a historical theory that, Combined with sexism, because obviously that was a major component in it, um, uh, the hu- the mass hysteria and hallucinations that actually led to many of the witch trials may have been caused by a bad um, uh, by a bad crop, specifically mm-hmm. a fungal infection through the bread. There's also a really interesting version of this that happened a real lo- really long time ago. I'm forgetting the particulars. I know that it was in Europe. But it was called the dancing death or the dancing disease, where essentially people were eating bread that had a fungal infection. And it caused them very similarly to what we see on screen to move erratically until they died of exhaustion because they were hallucinating. And it looks like dancing. So it was called mm. the dancing death. So if you want oh, a little... This is very uh, interesting. Yeah, if you want a little nightmare fuel... um of a real life thing that happened like way back in the dark ages, or at least is expected to have happened in the dark ages. There you go. There's the example.
0: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
1: Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombuscom slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
2: Yeah, and like speaking of how the flower kind of acts like spores. So obviously they changed from spores, which would seem a little less realistic obviously spores would be literally everywhere and and also any interaction you had with one of them it seems like you would immediately be infected because you're breathing in the air around one of the infected yeah um so instead we have this like tendril hive mind situation which is based in science and uh way more scary <laughs> i
1: So I remember when this was coming out, uh, at least in the months beforehand, when they announced that they would not have spores in the game. There was so much outcry from um, essentially just bad faith fans, uh, which we're not going to go into too much of the online debacle because some of it is frankly a little gross, Um, but... There was a lot of just like bad faith, like, oh, they're not doing spores. They're not going to be 100%. This is going to be awful. This is going to be like every other video game adaptation. And then what they came up with is if you step on the wrong vine or like even when they showed it, like where that corpse put its hand down was essentially just like in a patch of grass. You couldn't see the tendrils in there. Yeah. But they were there and they alerted everything.
2: Yeah, it's uh that was horrifying. And they they do kind of remind me of the zombies in uh like 28 days later, 28 weeks later. Um the sort of like fast sloppy zombies which again are so much scarier than anything that's moving slowly. Um and just that like incessant I mean, it's it's similar to any sort of zombie, but that, like, incessant need to infect.
1: Yeah. I mean, the moment where we kind of had, like, we always had the idea of, like, oh, they run. They're fast, when at least they're, like, freshly infected. But, like, mm-hmm. seeing them just sort of, like, lying down in that weird horde was super unsettling. And then just seeing how they all get activated at once was even worse. And- yeah,
2: also, like huge uh shout out to whoever came up with that. Like they all kind of like moved together. And unless I'm making this up, it seemed like there were clouds in the sky. and when they were looking down on them, the clouds as they moved and like the sun moved a little bit, that made them move. I was like, Ugh, yeah, it's so it was so creepy. like it them- definitely gave you like, um, there's, like, a lot of science behind why we find snakes kind of scary. Like, that slithering motion is very – it's, like, unnatural to most living things outside of snakes. So it, like, just gives you this kind of primal fear. Um, and it made me think of that.
1: It's, it's funny because one of the things that popped up in my head is, like, is it the light that's bouncing off the window or is it the heat from the window? Like, mm-hmm. is this, like, foreshadowing some sort of weakness that they have? Because clearly sunlight's not a problem. They they clearly move when it's daytime. But the fact that, like, while they were in that sleeping state, they would writhe in that motion kind of makes you wonder. Like, obviously fire yeah. is going to be effective, but mm-hmm. the fact that, well, like, they had that unconscious response was just, ugh.
2: He, yeah, and of course, like, any, you know, like, uh... Fungus and stuff kind of does really well in dark, damp places. So they were saying, you know, last time we came through here, there were just, they were, like, in the buildings. But now there's so many of them, they're, like, kind of just spilling out onto the street. So, of course, if it's not actively raining, the sun is going to start to eventually, like, dry them out. Oh, i didn't think about
1: that i wonder if like a really safe place in this story setting is like actually the desert like Mm. based off of those rules like would you be much more chill if you were in a really dry environment where fungus could not thrive
2: yeah is everyone in like phoenix arizona like we're doing fine we're good (laughs) we're chilling
1: like clearly there's still a military overrule but like we're not actually that concerned about the zombies we dealt with them like once we yeah, initially I, did or the if thing it just it's like cool.
2: or if it just really like drastically shortens their kind of like life's active moving period yeah um oh also the like dried ones on the oh, stairs God. and she steps on its dried hand Ugh, yeah the, So yeah,
1: bad The idea that it would turn you into a husk made out of fungus. Ugh.
2: Just a dried shiitake-ass mushroom. (laughs) Ugh!
1: Okay, I do have some genuine questions about the tendrils and, like, how they work. Because the idea was, like, oh, it's a replacement for spores because they needed something to add to the horror element. Because you can't just have it be zombies. One of the unique things about it was clearly that the spores spread... And in this, the unique system is obviously now there's a hive mind so that they can all be coordinated, provided that they have connection to the actual fungal system. And like, again, Mm -hmm. that's all based in the real world. But there's those fibers that we see making things up. We see them very particularly in many times coming out of the mouths of the infected. So Mike. Thought is like obviously we know that it's supposed to spread by like blood and stuff, but is it the tendrils that are actually infecting the blood, or is it the um, a, the blood or bodily fluids, or is it um a, or is it just the bo- bodily fluids because the tendrils yeah, seem mean, to be really intrinsically part of it.
2: Yeah, I think it's by the time it's coming out of their mouth, they're just like chock full. Of the fungus. Ugh. So it's just, like, starting to be able to even, like, be seen. And then it's also just a way to get in. Which, obviously, we're talking about the very end where oh, the guy oh. goes up to Tess and gives her a, the old kiss of death. Oh, my God. Just what a what an it's, awful scene. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, <laughs> it gives you such a visceral reaction, the idea of, like, the stuff going into her mouth and it's also like they don't they don't tear her apart like they do to the guy they find inside the museum um so it's like they can tell that she's maybe infected already or she's been bitten um so it's like maybe he that one's just like giving
1: Given it more. more. Ugh, yeah. I, I really don't like Ugh. that. Oh.
2: <laughs> oh, and also they look lightly fuzzy. Oh, so I, bad. I don't want
1: to imagine that texture in my
2: mouth. That's I the, really, <sighs> really hate the texture of like cotton balls and newspaper. And oh. that's all I can imagine they feel <laughs> like. Just like s- gross soft.
1: Oh, uh, well. that does And a, lead- a
2: huge shout out to... Uh, Pat Fode, who did uh the prosthetics for this, because the zombies in the museum, those were awesome. They were oh, really cool looking.
1: Oh my god. Yeah, I was about to say the clickers seem to like behave very differently from the rest <laughs> of the zombies. And obviously they're like bats. They're doing the sonar thing, and that's like the, the entire foreshadowing of like her being like, are there big bloated ones? They're like, huh that's ridiculous. And then she goes, Oh, are there ones that just like can see in the dark and they got big mushrooms heads and they quietly look at each other? Like,
2: yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The, I mean, it's the, the ones in the museum look, I, and I think they talk about this in the uh, like after episode part, but they kind of just went back to what they developed for the game Um but, yeah, it's just, like, they have no eyes. Um, they just, like, work by hearing you. And, yeah, they're really – how horrible. Like, the, the mouth kind of – it's like their head is starting to split open um, from all of the, like, mushroom growing out. It's so yeah. bad. It, Those it's- look really good.
1: It's funny because I feel like that's one of the things that translates extremely well from game to film is that entire scenario. The other thing that, like, does throw me off somewhat is the fact that, like, they completely ravished that one dude. Like, he was dead. Like, the fungus couldn't actually infect him because he was dead. Yeah, I mean,
2: or at least that's kind of what I'm getting from that. Or maybe he would come back to life and be able to move later on. But to me, it seems like he's just, like, torn apart, which obviously, you know, they're not, uh, like, uh, really sentient. They are sentient, but, like, they're not planning and plotting things. So it seems like they can make mistakes too and accidentally just rip someone apart instead of just infecting them.
1: Yeah. I mean... Um,
2: Probably also depends if it's, like, more than one as well.
1: I mean, they... It seems like they established the fact that they are able to control the human body via hallucinations and um, like other mushroomy things like altering brain chemistry. So it seems like they need at least a like working frontal cortex to make that happen. So I don't think that that was the guy that came back at all. Yeah, I mean,
2: or maybe it's just the older they are, because it seems like the ones in the museum are definitely older than, like, Joel says he's like, oh, they can last, like, a couple weeks to, like, one to two months, but some have been around for 20 years. Like, those ones seem like they've been around more than a month to have all of that growth. So maybe, like, the older they get, the more violent they get, because in the first episode, when we see people who are newly infected, they're just kind of, like – uh, su- sucking at the other people. Uh. <laughs> Je- it's its obviously <laughs> more gentle it- than what... Yeah, they're a little more gentle than, like, what we're getting in uh, this episode. Um, they're just
1: doing the gentle tentacle suck. That's all.
2: Uh, oh, my God. It's, <laughs> it's honestly so awful. The- I mean,
1: I think that, like, the way that they were able to go about it was just phenomenal on this i do it, it does make me wonder on that 20 year old bit how many stages of development we're going to see because it's it's no secret to me at least and like unfortunately if you're on social media and you're watching the show you now have to do this thing where you avoid gameplay clips like yeah the plague like i i have seen things that are just outright like horrible spoilers for the rest of the show. And I'm just like, nope, get it off my For You page, get it off there. But one of these things that has been around for a while is there's two really big things that are talked about, which are the clickers and the boomers within this franchise. So, mm-hmm. I'd imagine that the boomers, which we're eventually going to see, which are big, uh, big, fungal people, I'd imagine that those are the 20-year people. And one of the interesting things was I was reading that, and by reading I mean I was watching a clip of, of a mini-documentary about how this was based off of the actual Cordyceps virus in ants and the four stages that they go through. So, like, the runners is apparently a real stage with the ants where they just start running up on people and trying to infect. The clickers, they do legitimately start relying on sonar when they lose their eyes. And I don't know the other two, but I know that...
2: Oh, I think uh, it's not boomer, it's bloater. Ooh. <laughs> what a... Oh. <laughs> so awful.
1: <laughs> oh, God, I hate it.
2: <laughs> Bloaters uh. are the fourth, rarest, and most dangerous stage of the infected in The Last of Us.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Okay. yeah, I just know that at one point, they're supposed to start exuding spores, and that's their big terror moment. Because uh. the last stage of the ants is they turn into a husk and they exude this beam on their head that just aerates spores around them. So clearly, since that's not a thing in this version of the series, I wonder how the bloaters, not the boomers, okay, bloater, um, uh, that's a dumb joke, I'm sorry. I wonder how the bloaters are going to just start playing with the bigger aspect of the infected in order to invoke that kind of horror.
2: Okay, so here's a list of the stages there's runner which is like people who just got turned stalkers
1: clickers
2: Ooh. clickers are people who have been infected for at least one year
1: Interesting. Um, so that's
2: obviously what we just saw in this episode bloater have been infected for several years there's a shambler which is people who have been infected for several years and typically inhabit areas thriving with water
1: uh, Ugh. Uh. and then
2: The last one, I could give you 10 million guesses, and you would never get it. Rat King. Oh, my God. The Rat King is a unique stage of infected that developed in the Seattle Hospital after over 20 years of infection. Formed from several infected combining into one, the Rat King is colossal in strength and size. (laughs) They were like... Um, I just saw the Nutcracker, and I really want to bring a little bit of that to this game.
1: Um, I mean, so who
2: knows if we'll ever see the Rat King. They might save him for uh, a later Part
1: two, season. maybe, when we're dealing with adult Ellie. I, I'd imagine that that sounds like a sequel monster to me. That's, that's what I'm going to say. The, yeah. I, I want to say... I, it's not. I want to say. I like the Rat King. It has a place in mythology that is like a known. Like, oh, it's a pile of rats, and then somehow they hive mind. Um, yeah. And I ugh, the the fact that they took that idea to zombies. I mean, first of all, very cool. Second of all, very scary. Third of all, I hope we get to see it because. Anyway, uh. Anyway, speaking of all these infected, we got to talk about the not infected. Ellie. So yep. Ellie, we, one of the only like actual plot things that we learn towards the lit, towards the actual implications of the series is essentially just two things. First of all, that no vaccine can possibly me- be made for this. And second of all, um, Ellie is in fact immune and they are taking her to the Firefly doctors in order to come up with a cure. And this is the entire thing that Tess is like, It's real, she's real, you have to do this, and clearly her death is what actually incites Joel to go through with this. Otherwise, we don't have a story, because Joel is clearly like being like, I don't want to do this, and he's denying his call to action, as one is tend to do in storytelling.
2: So obviously we kind of have the little tidbits of Tommy, Joel's brother, was part of the Fireflies, he either left them or maybe still part of them, but he's gone out West somewhere. And the whole reason we're on this journey even is because Joel's trying to get out uh, to Tommy because he's worried about him. He hasn't heard from him in a while, but like every other kind of like long standing sort of zombie situation, they talk about the like mirage in the desert of, Oh yeah, somebody's working on a cure, blah, blah, blah. So, There's that kind of tension of like, I'm not going to go on this long journey for this fake cure that we're trying to get this girl (laughs) for. Um, So, you know, Tess getting bitten and you can immediately see within like an hour, it's starting to look so gnarly and Ellie's isn't is kind of like the catalyst for, okay, so there's clearly something different about her and he has to buck up and do it. And again, like I think that's just one of the most brutal goodbyes because there is no goodbye. There's so much between these two characters that isn't said. Um, And I, I really enjoy in the show you know, In the game, Fedra is following them, and that's who kills uh, Tess. But I love in this show that it has to be like a very split-second decision of like you have to leave immediately, and you have to decide to do this because um, it just builds so much more tension and kind of longing for a different outcome that we don't get.
1: Yeah, and there's – I mean – at least in subtext, because I don't think we see any outright uh, romantic actions between the two, but our introduction to them is the fact that they share a bed. That's the first mm-hmm. thing we get to know about their character dynamic uh, once they are on screen together. It's implied that Joel is the guy that's going to potentially beat the shit out of the person who mugged her, but that their first shot is actually an intimate moment, which like very clearly establishes that they have a really important connection to each other. So obviously this is the catalyst for this and even though it's like clearly there is something legit about this girl, she can deal with this. I'm so curious about what the catch is going to be. Because there's no way this story is just we get her there and then it's good cuz like, is it a genetic thing? Is it her blood? Is it her blood? Are there enzymes that can be recreated? Is it like a weird fungal infection that fights the existing fungal infection? Is it like Is there a virus that she has that can deal that kills the infection? Like what bio thing is going to actually come into play here? Because ultimately speaking, we know that there's a game that has adult Ellie in it. Which means. That, and, which means that this story's not done when they get her there. Something's gonna have to happen. So, I'm, I'm up in the air, I don't know what can be really done with this. It's gonna be a lot of, like, I think we're going, I think what they're probably gonna do, and we'll kind of know by the next episode, is if each episode opens up with some sort of scientist telling us more about the thing through some sort of flashback and recreated scene, we're going to be able to piece together what's actually happening with Ellie that way because we Mm -hmm. don't have a scientific mouthpiece except for so far in these opening sequences.
2: Yeah. And I mean, there's still a lot of mystery about um, has somehow Marlene known about this since she was little because Marlene obviously knew something about her. Yeah. Yeah. Now, was it just that Marlene knew her parents and wanted to keep her safe and that's why she put her in the mi- military school? Or was there something else that she, you know, we don't know that yet. Um, And I mean, even uh, people who play the games will know there's kind of like a spinoff, uh, Last of Us Left Behind, that talks about um the point in time where Ellie was bit, which was just three uh. weeks before where we are now. Um And we're... It seems like we're getting that this season. Uh not seems like it we definitely are getting that this season, which uh oh god, just fucking get ready to cry again.
1: <laughs> oh no, okay, so y- you know it's gonna go down. Got it. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's gonna be really sad.
1: Oh no. Um, I-
2: <laughs> don't do think. Yeah, this so me. there's there there's still a good amount of mystery and and there's also kind of this um this like characterization where Ellie and Joel are obviously get on each other's nerves because they're, like, literally the same person. Um, <laughs> and they both don't want to talk really about their past too much because they don't want to be upset. Um, well,
1: I, I feel like that's kind of funny, though, because there is, like, a level of communication that needs to happen between the two of them. So uh, obviously, that's the conflict. Is now we just have the two, and obviously Joel's daddy instincts are going to take effect, and he's going to kill people to keep her alive. We've seen that already, but yeah, them, Pedro
2: Pascal's daddy instincts—they're—they're <laughs> they're they're strong.
1: strong. <laughs> he's he's done it very well. He's he's playing two with the same character with him in the uh, Mandalorian. Uh.
2: I well, saw somebody was like. um, so upset because there was like a nudity warning at the beginning of the episodes. So they were saying like, they thought they were going to see Pedro Pascal naked. It was just the the lady dead on the examining table.
1: Damn. Well, if you want to see Pedro Pascal naked, you should subscribe to this podcast. Uh, I'm joking. We cannot deliver on that. I'm sorry. Please don't sue me. Sadly. Pedro Pascal. Anyway, we'll be back next week. where We'll be covering the third episode and, hope you enjoyed this conversation. Let us know in the comments, please leave a review and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Oh shit. It's also, it's the return of the show. I'm supposed to say that at the end. Okay. Bye.
0: D-E-R-M dot com.